Hey there, AFAM. Welcome to the episode 6 of Thinking of Youth Podcast. I'm Tidor Sokota, Project Coordinator for Bridges to the Future ASEAN Youth Employment Program. You can call me Tio. I am your host for this episode. Today, we will be discussing with youth across ASEAN the key topic of bridging the ASEAN youth to the future work. This episode is building on the spirit and excitement of one of our ongoing program in 2022 called the Bridges to the Future ASEAN Youth Employment Program. This program is implemented by ASEAN Foundation in collaboration with Plan International and with the support of Google's philanthropic arm, Google.org. This program aims to support ASEAN youth in acquiring the necessary 21st century skills to re-enter the workforce and build a more sustainable and secure economy post-pandemic. In short, this program is called PTF. There are many exciting things that all of you AF fam can expect from the program. We will soon publish our research around youth employment, upcoming job information center, and many other activities. As I mentioned earlier, the BTF implemented a region-wide research focusing on youth employment. The overall objective of this research is to assess the current state of the job market and skills demand for youth, including underserved youth in 10 ASEAN member states. It's specifically talk and focusing on three main elements. First, labor market assessment. Second, underserved youth assessment. And three, youth employability service mapping. Without further ado, I think we are definitely excited to kickstart the conversation and also meet three of our amazing guests in our sixth episode. We are very excited to have three of our young researchers that participate in the research element of the program. The three researchers are GJ from Philippines, Fatsana from Laos, and Pimco from Thailand. Three of them today will share their interesting stories on being involved in the research on ASEAN youth job market and skills demand for the future. Hi, GJ. Hi, Fatsana. Hi, Pimco. Thank you so much for joining us in our latest episode. Maybe to kickstart, we definitely want to hear you guys introduce yourself. Yeah, let's start with GJ and then we can go around. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Theo. Hello, everyone. I'm Gerald John Guillermo, but you can call me GJ for short. I'm currently based in Taguig City in the National Capital Region of the Philippines. Just a quick background uh, of me, I graduated with a degree in Political Science and minor degree in Development Management at Tineda Manila University in 2019. And my areas of skills and interest include research, public policy, international relations, governance, and law. And I was assigned as a survey enumerator here at Metro Manila in the Philippines. And my main duties were to translate the research tools, collect research data, and to arrange and conduct field interviews. Thank you, GJ. Welcome to our new episode. Fatsana, we definitely want to hear from you. Hi, hi everyone. It's Batsana Bong Sengchan from Laopedia. I'm so glad to be here with all of you today. And I have been following this podcast for some time now and I'm so excited to be here today actually. So I am now a master's student in International Development Studies in National University of Laos. And I also work full-time with different 
organization as a communication consultant. And in this project, I was part of it as a translator and research quality control. Thank you, Fatsana. Last but not least, our friend from Thailand, Pimko. Sawadee It's Pimkun from Thailand. My name is Pimkun Dremitanpun, and I'm currently working with various NGO across Thailand, and I graduate from international law major. When I was a part in this project, I was a SOE enumerator, just like DJ. Yeah, I'm so excited for today. Thank you, Pimko, Fatsana, and DJ for joining us again. I think we are really excited to have you and hear your stories from the research because, you know, previously I highlighted that we conducted the research for youth. But what's interesting is that you guys are youth as well. So it was really interesting, you know, to have the research focusing on youth, but also the person who doing data collection in the field is actually youth. So you can actually listen from your peers. I think we will definitely, hopefully, hear some insights and interesting story from three of you. I think to kickstart the conversation we have today, definitely the first question I want to have for you guys is, in your research journey, whether it's a survey enumerator or as a translator, is there any new insight you have gained about youth in your country? Either it's related to employment or what is the new, I guess, reflection that you have after participating as the researcher in this program? Well, I think um, the most interesting insight that I've got from this project is that I kind of have a reflection to myself and I realized that I am not actually alone because sometimes I feel, you know, lost and confused and I don't know what to do in my career and I wasn't sure with my study. I don't know which measure should I use, should I take because I'm not sure what is the needs or demands of the job market in the society currently. So I get to know that there are a lot of youth in my country that are the same page as me, that they don't have guidance and they seek for information and some source they can, that they can base on in order to, to plan their career in the right way. So I think this research is something very good for all of us so we can understand what is actually happening in the society and how we can find out what we are good at and be on that potentials in order to meet the needs of the job markets and demands. That would be my insight. Yeah, I think that's interesting from Lao. DJ Pimkul, do you find the same thing? Any new reflection or similar reflection that you have with Fatsana? Or do you have any other new insights you guys have based in your country? For me, I think um, it's very different from the situations in Thailand because I have found that in Thailand, the discrepancy between youth with different highest education have different level of access to guidance. So like I found that youth with bachelor, youth that are in like college or got bachelor degree can be like have more access more than youth that have highest degree of education. Thank you for sharing what do you see in Thailand, Pimkul. I think now it's interesting to see what happened in the other side of the region as well with DJ. Yes, well, thank you. I actually echo the points raised by Vatsana and Pimkul here. And just to add further, I think what I found interesting is that 
the responsiveness of learning institutions in providing skills that bridge the jobs. So just to connect it with what Vatsana earlier mentioned is that while it is important to provide the necessary knowledge about foundational learnings that what we've learned in, for example, grade school and high school, senior high school and then college, while that is important, like learning the foundational and you know philosophical understanding of things, it is also necessary for these learning institutions to be the bridge in providing access to jobs at any level of education. So at the very least, it doesn't only entail that, you know, that the youth should see for themselves how to get a job because I think that's an overwhelming scenario or at least feels here in the Philippines wherein you graduate and then, oh, go find yourself a job. Do it yourself. Like, okay, no one's there to guide you really. You know, get all the requirements on, in the government. It's all on you. But I think there's much, I think there's also an emphasis on equipping the people to basic knowledge on how to get a job because not all institutions have that in mind. Great, GJ, uh, Fatsana, and Pimco. I think it's very interesting to see you guys coming from three different countries, but what you are saying, it seems like it connects each other in the level where we understand, for example, Fatsana say about like, you know, I find throughout the research that like, oh, there are other youths in my country who feel or share the same struggle or have the same reflection on like, what should I do next? But then Pimco and GJ, you are highlighting about like, you know, yes, there are that element of anxiety and conversation around what should I do next but we are often talk about the potential of youth being you know leading things but then both of you highlighting about like well it's also not only the role of us but like there needs to be support from other stakeholders within the discussion you know I think this new insight we have from Thailand from Laos from Philippines I think it highlights you know connection in the region. And I think to connect our conversation from the first question for three of you, I think you guys highlighted that personal story that you guys get in the research already in the first question. But the second question I would like to ask is that I believe that it's really interesting to, you know, be involved in the research. I think if you guys can pick one story to tell, whether what's exciting, what's different when you are actually doing the research, what will be the story or what will be the idea that you find and you want to tell that to other people? And maybe for this time, we will start with Pimco. Yeah, I would say that this research journey is a very eye-opening experience for me. Yeah, but one of the most remarkable stories that I could not even get over was that the story from person from youth with disabilities. Because like I myself personally have no contact directly or don't have any person with disability friends. And at first it was so difficult to find their contact, but then I managed to find it through Facebook groups and I found a groups of person with visual impairment and I have learned their story and it, it was so inspiring. For example, there was one guy who worked as a phone call operator on weekdays, but on weekends he studied for bachelor degree. And and it was so inspiring for me especially because I, I just graduated and I felt like it's so hard to find a job in this country, like a stable job as for my field of work. But as I hear this the story from them, I feel like so inspired. 
and it inspired me to pursue my dream regardless of the hardship that I have met. Thanks, Pimco. I think it's something that we find, and then we always think that like this story could be an anyone and in any country, and it always, you know. Give us more reason to do more things, and I think we definitely want to hear that reflection and stories I get from Fatsana or GJ. Anyone want to go first, Fatsana? Well, personally, I have worked with persons with disability before, and I realized that in my community, these special group of people, they need uh, more attention and need more empowerment for them. Because most of the people that I have helped to interview, I feel that they are still shy and not very confident. I, I feel it is not that they don't have opinion or. They are not very intelligent. Like they are intelligent. Like they have good ideas, but they are just shy and feel a little inconfident to to express themselves. So, so I think it is important for every one of us to realize that we should look into these group of people and, and and give them more opportunities to shine even more. So our community can be more inclusive and we can live together even more better. That that would be my opinion. Yeah, I would like to add on Wasana. I agree with your statement. As far as I have worked with them, I found that they are one of the most person with like so much potential. However, the system doesn't really support them well enough for them to really have a platform for themselves. Yeah, and definitely, I also saw that. I think. Although I, I wasn't trying to preempt the study in any way, but seeing it firsthand, although I was survey enumerated, there were sets of question ready for me to fill out, or at least you know just to administer, uh, really. But seeing firsthand how the disparity of opportunities between varying levels of education sort of box people into certain opportunities, I think it's evident that while a higher level of education provides for Higher compensation and better opportunities. There's also those who have attained lower levels of education, but they've been meaning to upskill or to like have more ways to earn and have better opportunities. But I think one of the people I've interviewed is that when they pass a curriculum vitae or like a resume, and then they see education and it's just. Elementary. I've only finished elementary, or I don't have formal education. Your CV reaches the bottom of the pile already, just because you know you haven't got a higher level of education. And even if you have a higher level of education, sometimes it doesn't work that way. So I think the experience also. I think a lot of the institutions should also focus on you know experiences that you know a lot of these people have known the industry that they're working with. For a, more than I don't know, 10 years, and just because someone here have higher level of education, we prioritize them. So I think that disparity and sort of stigma with lower levels of education and entry to market and competition is something that was really evident in my in my journey, research journey. Imkul, you have anything to add? I think it will be interesting to hear as well. Yeah, I totally agree with GJ on the stigma that the society might have towards person with disabilities, and I think as now we should we should kind of raise awareness on this point. Yeah, I mean there's so much to pack on what 
three of you highlight that, you know, it's all very relevant conversation to have. We are talking about stigma, stereotype. It's not a simple problem. It's a structural issue. I think it's really great that we as young people within this podcast, you know, bring those conversation into lights. I think there is so much things to unpack on what three of you guys highlight that you guys highlight. I guess the term of boxes of opportunities depends on your background. You know, where do you come from? What institution you are coming from? I think what's interesting in really beginning of this question, Pimco also highlighted that before you have the tendency to not interact or you don't have any friends from certain groups, but the research allow you to have that element, you know, to know more, to hear more. I think three of you highlighted a very structural problem, but when we hear from more more groups, more people, we get a more comprehensive view on how to approach things. I think to add just one, I if anyone can answer this for this part, just one people maybe. I think, GJ, you are the one who highlighted that when you come into the research, you know, there is a set of questions. But then I think what I want to know is that when you interview people, you definitely go beyond, I guess, what's actually written in the survey questionnaire. Is there anything that you want to highlight that I guess beyond the list of the question that you need to ask that somehow come into the conversation that you don't expect that to be formulated or generated beyond? I think it's the way any expectation or perhaps on how the youth can be more resilient or be more motivated is the youth have energy. I think that's something really evident even right now how we're you know, filming or at least recording this podcast. And I think that's really evident that, you know, we have that dynamic and energy. And this have been greatly translated to definitive action. And we not only do it via social networks, despite us being, the youth being uh, tagged as, you know, very much into social media to connect, to communicate, and to express their voices. But really, we also have that energy to campaign for change. And I think, Using this momentum, supporting this momentum by other stakeholders as you mentioned earlier, is something that should be emphasized. I think the youth, there's no question really on if the youth is resilient or we're you know, adaptive or optimistic about stuff because we really are. I think that's what has been highlighted. But yeah, I, I think it's really incumbent now on other stakeholders to really transform that energy and to capitalize on that energy to realize this potential of the youth to become, you know, catalysts for change, really. So I think that, you know, ushering that energy into the future is something, you know, that people in the higher ups should realize at this point. Yes, GJ, I totally agree with you that youth nowadays, they have a lot of energy. They are so energetic to develop themselves, I would say, because because I've seen and that a lot of young people right now, even though they, they don't know what they like or they don't understand what they want to be, but I can see that they want to become someone important and someone creative because they've joined a lot of activities. Like whenever there are workshops, available they're usually like full list of youth that they want to join and i've seen that it is becoming very competitive for young people to apply for international exchange program in abroad so they can learn something new with different people from all around the world something like that so i see that youth they have a lot of energy and i think people from the 
policy making level should understand at this point as well. So they can try to be up this stage to provide the opportunity for them to realize their potentials. Pimkul, do you have yeah, anything to yeah. add? Yeah, go for it. I agree with the two of you. But I would like to add that as for some youth, there are some youth that are so ambitious and know what their dreams are. However, there are also like some archer youth that really have no clue about what they would like to do in future, and they have no access to even some source of inspiration to them of what they can be. So I think it's really also important that maybe the policymaker or the government could also host a workshop for them to be kind of like inspiring session. Well, actually, before we end the session, I am a little curious because because I've mentioned earlier from the start that we kind of seek for this kind of um, research to be some sort of information so we can base on to to you know to find out what we can do with, with our future something like that. So I really look forward to this research, you know. And I want to ask Bio, what is your plan to after this research is done? Like, is it public or do you have any activities after this research? Great question, Fatsana, and actually a good segue. Three of you. In that, I guess the last five seven minutes definitely nail. I guess what do we want to, I guess here, like, what's the hope? What's the expectation? What do you see in the future? And I think before I go into that question for Fatsana, I think you guys highlighted that you know some people know what they want to do. Some people are still figuring out, and I think. All of us can agree. It's okay if you are still exploring it. There are times it's okay to try different things. You know, you can listen to story in Philippines, Laos, and Thailand, and maybe you get inspired to do other things. So maybe last year you want to do this. You hear stories from different country in ASEAN, and then you, oh, maybe I want to do that. Or maybe you will read our research that will be published very soon, and you will realize that like, oh, maybe you know, I wanted to. Upskill in this area. I want to reskill in this area. So to answer Fatsana's question, we will publish our research in Tan ASEAN member state gladly with a lot of young researchers doing the work. So it's for youth, from youth, and created in the spirit by youth as well. And I think this will be one of our way as youth in ASEAN. You know, to communicate what we want, the research will. Be accessible for people from the government, from NGO, from TFAT, general public that do want to know, like, what skills should I explore, or what happened in this country, what happened in the employment for youth. So I think that will be a great something that we all want to look for. And three of you are part of that great work, along with other researcher that not attending the recording today. So I think to end our podcast, too bad. I think we definitely can discuss more. But I think you guys already highlighted very interesting story that youth in ASEAN do want to hear. Again, I want to say thank you very much, GJ, Pimko, Fatsana, for allocating your time, sharing what you thought and your valuable journey as researcher within the program. We are very honored to be able to hear directly from you guys, and I believe that ASEAN youth listening to this episode feel the same too. From You know, listening to your story and your conversation. Lastly, I would also like to thank all our listener for listening to this podcast. Definitely, if you have any suggestion for future topics for discussion for our podcast, you may reach us on our social media platforms. If you haven't followed it, do follow our social media for ASEAN Foundation. 
or drop us an email at communication at ASEANfoundation.org. Definitely stay tuned on our social media for our latest updates. And yeah, maybe three of you want to say see you first in your own language before I actually close the episode. GJ Fatsana and Pimco. That's great. Kita kits the next episode ng uh, ASEAN Foundation. Sana na enjoy nyo. Maganda gabi. Maganda araw. <laughs> yeah, that's a high level. See you on our next episode, everyone. And definitely stay safe.